Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Utah's best athletes count on flexibility, speed, strength. And the Jazz pick up their 22nd assist. So they count on University of Utah help. Brielle Soleil puts this game away. And so can you. Leading doctors, a world-class environment, award-winning innovation, care to be great. 14 unanswered by the Utes. University of Utah Health, caring for Utah's best and yours. Schedule your appointment now at uofuhealth.org slash care to be great. Oh yeah, baby. You know, Mitch. They love your Cougars. Mitch Harper. Cougar Nation, and welcome to a new edition of the Cougar Tracks podcast on kslsports.com. Your BYU insider, Mitch Harper. One week away from today, BYU football will report to camp. Camp Kalani is almost here. Practices get underway on August 4th. So the football season is pretty much upon us. And that's an exciting time for Cougar fans everywhere as summer starts to wind down and a new season of BYU football is approaching. It's Wednesday, July 27th, and here's the roadmap for today's show. Uh, You know, we're going to talk a little bit about BYU football recruiting news because once we get in the season, it's all attention on the season at hand. We're going to do a little bit of a snapshot on this BYU football recruiting class in 2023. Also going to discuss the big commitment BYU women's basketball landed in Amari Whiting. What that means for her mother's program, Amber Whiting, and BYU's future in the Big 12 Conference. And then we'll start things off right now with conference realignment. You can follow me on Twitter at Mitch underscore Harper. Follow KSL Sports on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, TikTok. We're all over the place. Make sure to follow KSL Sports and download the KSL Sports app today. You don't want to miss that content because throughout the football season, fall camp, the game weeks, you have a bunch of content, podcasts, social media videos, articles, you name it. It's all going to be on that KSL Sports app. Conference realignment feels like it's slowed down a little bit, but the conversations are happening still behind closed doors. And for BYU, they know they're in the Big 12 Conference, but I keep tabs on conference realignment because it has a potential impact on BYU and the Big 12. 
As a report from the Action Network's Brett McMurphy, one of the top college football insiders, he reports that the Big Ten, which is having its media days today, it concludes in Indianapolis. The Big Ten is reportedly looking at Washington, Oregon, Cal, Stanford, Florida State, and Miami. Six teams, none of which from the Big 12, four of which from the Pac-12. What does this mean for the Big 12, for BYU's new home beginning in 2023? To me, I think it says that if you're in Arizona, you're in Arizona State, you need to bounce to the Big 12 as soon as possible. I've said it all along. I feel like those two Arizona schools are in more lockstep with the Big 12 conference to begin with. Geographically speaking, I think politically, I think there makes it makes a lot of sense to have those schools in the Big 12 conference. And when you hear... Baylor AD Mac Rhodes kind of give a bullish outlook on the potential money revenue streams that this new Big 12 is going to have that includes BYU, UCF, Cincinnati, and Houston. There's a lot to like about the optimism about this league, whereas the Pac-12, it's a league that no one shows up to it. Yes, they have the late-night television spots, but you're going to lose that now. You're going to have competition in the Big 12 conference. You're going to have competition in the Big Ten Conference for the late-night window. The Pac-12 doesn't have anything to cling to anymore. The Big 12 has a lot more to offer in that it can reinvent itself. And to me, I think this is exciting times, potentially, for the Big 12. And I think Brett Yormark has to pounce and add some of these Pac-12 teams and take out the Pac-12. That's what it's got to be. You've got to be in a position to be the third-best conference in college sports. And I think the Big 12 is... Oddly enough, because they don't have programs that are wanted, I think it kind of works for them. You know, whereas the ACC and the Pac-12, they have some programs that people want, and it leaves them on shaky ground. I think the question I have for, you know, these six programs that have been reported, again, by Brett McMurphy, Washington, Oregon, Cal, Stanford, Florida State, and Miami. Cal and Stanford, I don't see the value that they bring at all. Maybe it's the market, maybe, but there's no interest in, in, in Stanford football. There's no interest in Cal football either. High academic standards, though. And if, if the Big Ten goes for that angle, then so be it. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me with the Big Ten. Washington and Oregon make a lot of sense. I, I think that from the Pac-12's perspective, the second-best football property is Washington. I look at them right below USC as the second-best team, second-best brand. I think a lot of the the recency college football fans would point to Oregon being that team. To me, it's Washington. Oregon can deliver a big television audience, and I think that's what makes them attractive. Florida State and Miami make a ton of sense. Uh, You then dip into Florida, and you bring that potential rivalry into the Big Ten. I'll tell you, the thought of Florida State and Miami in the Big Ten with a league that includes USC and UCLA and Ohio State and Michigan, sign me up. I want to watch that. I'm, I'm just telling you, that that's that's massive. That's big-time stuff. I just wonder, too, how long the, the timetable is on all of this because, yeah, this can be thrown out there, but if the Big Ten really wanted these teams, it could happen right now. Maybe not so much for Florida State and Miami, but for the Pac-12, it could happen today. Get it done. There, there's there's barely any grant of rights left. Uh, it's two more years in the Pac-12 television contract. 
Make it happen. If they really wanted those teams, could it be a move to strong-arm Notre Dame into forcing them to get to the Big Ten because Stanford is another one of Notre Dame's rivals? Could be. But I think for the Big 12, there's stability. And that's what gives you the optimism that this could be the third best league going forward. And that you have hyper-focused fan base that care about college athletics. It's not the third or fourth show in town. BYU in in the state of Utah is the biggest show. Utah Jazz are here. But I feel like the Jazz are trending down a little bit in terms of the interest. This is a college football state in Utah. BYU and Utah run it, in my opinion. Whereas in the Pac-12 footprint, L.A., that's gone now, but Seattle, Bay Area, those are pro towns. Big 12, they love their college sports, and they're going to show up, and they're going to pay a premium to watch games on ESPN+. Plus. I mean, there's so many games, basketball games, that include uh, Kansas, or they include a bunch of random Big 12 teams. People pay. They've been ahead of the curve when it comes to streaming with the ESPN Plus Big 12 Now deal. I just think that the Big 12's got a brighter future ahead than the Pac-12, and I think the the TV viewership articles that have come out this week are a little bit of a smokescreen because, again, the Pac-12 is the only league that's been having the late-night window in power conference football. That's going away. BYU and the Big 12, they're going to be playing late-night games. The Big 10 Conference, they're going to play late-night games. But I did think it was interesting seeing those six teams reported out there, none of which are from the Big 12 Conference. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. Wanted to get a recruiting snapshot for BYU football. their 2023 recruiting class on today's podcast because next week BYU fall camp will get started and it's going to be all locked in. All the focus is going to be at the season at hand. Uh, Recruiting will take a little bit of a back burner. We'll watch high school football. We'll watch obviously everything that's going on, but just naturally when the season is upon us, recruiting takes a little bit of a back step uh, to the actual season at hand. So it's a good time, I think, to take a a snapshot of what BYU's 2023 recruiting class looks like and because BYU pulled down some big commitments last week. I know that they lost Walker Lyons, they've lost Hunter Clegg, and honestly, those were big losses. And to lose them to Stanford, I think it's a little bit of a bitter pill to swallow when you consider Stanford's conference situation is in flux. 
They're coming off terrible seasons. But apparently the the academics of Stanford still win the day for a lot of people. And and that uh, was a big selling point in the recruitments for Hunter Clegg and Walker Lyons. BYU moves forward, though, and they still have put together thus far what I think is a really good recruiting class. And it's one that I believe you've seen a bump with Big 12 affiliation. I think the quality of the athlete has gotten better for BYU. I was talking with Harvey Unga during BYU Football Media Day, and he said that just being in the Big 12 now, it opens the door to where when they arrive at schools, these high school coaches are bringing out the best talent that their schools have to offer. That wasn't happening before when BYU was an independent. It just wasn't. Now that they're affiliated with the Big 12, that's Power 5 football, that's big time, and these schools bring out their best prospects. It starts off with Jackson Bowers. Jackson Bowers committed last week. I was out in Philadelphia last week uh, with some family stuff, and and that was good. Uh, But Jackson Bowers was out making news, committing to BYU, a four-star tight end from Mountain View High School in Mesa, Arizona. That school has produced some quality BYU football players over the years. John Beck and Max Hall, most notably. Bowers, six foot five, two hundred twenty-five pounds, a top two forty-seven recruit by twenty-four-seven sports's ratings. He's in the top three hundred in the composite ratings. Uh, he's a guy that can make an impact right away because I think that next year in twenty twenty-three, year one of the Big Twelve, say Isaac Rex maybe moves on to the NFL. Could happen. Dallin Holker, does he want to move on potentially too? I think Holker's not as much a NFL prospect because of body type, the measurables. I mean, Isaac Rex, 6'6", 247, he can block, he can catch. He's an NFL tight end, and he's going to impress when fully healthy in a combine setting. A Holker, I think, is a better receiving tight end, uh, but he's not just the true tight end. But I think he could be good enough to one day be an NFL guy. Bowers, though, could be maybe that second tight end next to Holker if Isaac Rex moves on. Heck, maybe all of them are back next year, and it's a moot point. They got a loaded tight end room next season. But Jackson Bowers is a big-time get for BYU, and it's one that they needed to have. I mean, when you're in the Big 12 Conference, you need to pick up four-star prospects more often than ever before. If you want to win a Power 5 league, you've got to step it up in recruiting. And getting guys like Jackson Bowers is key to potentially delivering a Big 12 crown for BYU into the future. Pokana Hunga, uh, an athlete 5'11", 200 pounds, he committed back in 2021 in January of 2021. He's been on the board for a while for BYU. A good athlete, could play a variety of different positions for the Cougars. Uh, he's going to be one to watch locally at Timpview High School. Leo Pulalasi, I, I think this kid is a deep sleeper, and he's one that a lot of folks have, for whatever reason, not rated him high enough. But I think this guy's going to be a good one for BYU. A running back, six foot one, two hundred five pounds. Harvey Unga liked him. Kind of reminds me a little bit of Harvey, a bit. Very physical runner, a good pass catcher out of the backfield, which is something that BYU values a ton in their offense, uh, out of Lakewood, Washington, up in the Pacific Northwest, a little bit lower-profile high school, 
Uh, Leo Pulalasi, he was an MVP in his district last season. Versatile athlete, can do a lot of different things. That's a good get. I mean, and that's a guy to me that I don't know if you get necessarily if you're not in the Big 12. I, I think he's one that represents the Big 12 bump, getting a guy like Leo Pulalasi because the offer sheet I think was going to continue to grow had BYU not shown a lot of love and got in early. He was tearing it up on the summer camp circuit to the point where his offer sheet probably would have grown a lot until he committed to BYU. Ryder Burton, quarterback, six foot two, one 180 pounds, out of Springville High School. This kid's got a he's got the goods. Uh, you know, Ryder Burton, he's a guy that when he committed to BYU, no hype, nothing heralded about him, no stars next to his name. But I think you got to trust Aaron Roderick on this one. And Ryder Burton has shown well at the summer camp circuit, at the Elite 11 camps. He showed well. He's putting in a lot of work with John Beck at 3D QB. Burton is kind of like a, a, I hate to say it, but like a a mini version of Zach Wilson a little bit, maybe. Uh, I'm going to be keeping a close eye on Springville High a lot this year. Uh, Ryder Burton... I think he's going to be a really good quarterback. I don't think he's a guy that year one, when he arrives at BYU, you say he's starting. I don't think he's that type of prospect. But I think he's someone that year two, year three, if some of the upperclassmen ahead of him maybe are not playing as well, things kind of break his way, I think he's a guy that will be a gamer for BYU. I think he could be a really good player. And he's a guy that's dreamed of being at BYU I think Ryder Burton, underrated guy. I think he's a he's a talented prospect. Simone Davis, tight end, six foot five, two hundred twenty pounds. He's going to be a defensive end at BYU. A listed on tight end at on twenty four seven Sports. He's out of Nolan Catholic, Fort Worth, Texas. Three star prospect. He committed this past Saturday. This is an intriguing get. Uh, these are the type of guys to me that. The edge rushers for BYU, I've told you on previous podcasts, they're coming. The edge rushers, the pass rushers, they will be here sooner rather than later. And maybe Simone Davis could be another one of those guys in the group that is super productive and could be a guy that can get to the quarterback. Uh, But you just love the size, 6'5", 220. The development that BYU has in its program with getting the most out of under-the-radar guys. This isn't an under-the-radar guy, per se. I mean, he's he's 60th nationally at his position. That's tight end. 205th in the state of Texas, which not bad considering the talent in that state. I think he's one that can hit quite well for BYU uh, because of his measurables. I mean, that's what you like. You like the body type. You project a few years ahead and think that he could be someone that's a difference maker for you when he becomes an upperclassman. Stanley Ross, uh, defensive lineman, six foot one, two hundred ninety pounds. Uh, son to John Ross. Uh, remember the the Ross brothers back in the day in the nineties. Stan and John. Uh, Stanley is the son to John, and I think this these are, these are the areas too where BYU in the interior of the defensive line they got to improve. I feel like defensive line recruiting it's well documented. I think it's been subpar. I think that there's got to be a lot of areas of improvement in that regard for BYU going into the Big 12. 
uh, because I think the quality of play in the trenches in the Big 12 has gotten a lot better in the last five years. This is no longer Patrick Mahomes, Baker Mayfield putting up 70 points on each side. The defenses have gotten really good in the Big 12, and I think that's kind of an under-the-radar thing that no one's acknowledging as much uh, as BYU gets ready to go into that league in 2023. BYU got a taste of it against Baylor, but I think Oklahoma State with Derek Mason as the defensive coordinator. I just look at quality across the board. Matt Campbell at Iowa State, I think, is always going to get the most out of his teams. They're going to be a physical football team. TCU is going to be better, I think, with Sonny Dykes. They kind of teetered off with Gary Patterson. Defensive line play has got to get better, especially in the interior. I think BYU will make improvements in 2022 with the personnel they have this year, but a lot of upperclassmen. It's going to be kind of a mass exodus. And guys down the road, the interior guys like a Stanley Ross, have got to be key players in, in, in that uh, conversation. Pearson Watson, linebacker, 6'3", 210 pounds. You know, when he committed last month in June, I think people were kind of a little bit harsh on that. I, I thought they were underwhelmed because he was a, didn't have a star rating and there wasn't much buzz about him. But I look at him kind of like a Max Tooley type. Good athlete, excellent athlete, honestly. And I love the measurables. I mean, it's kind of BYU with recruiting in the Big 12. It's going to be a blend of still projection-based, but then it's also going to be trying to get in the mix for the Walker Lions, the, the Jackson Bowers. You're going more in those battles. And it takes time to develop and get in the conversation for those four- and five-star prospects. It doesn't just happen overnight that you're in the mix for so many four- and five-star guys. That takes time. they got to show that they can win, too, in the Big 12 Conference. And if the winning happens, paired with more development into the NFL, which Kalani has said, he wants to get guys to the league. He's not ducking from that. No longer is the narrative around BYU, oh, we don't care about the NFL. No, that's not the case. Kalani wants to get guys to the league because he knows you do that, you're going to get more dudes in the recruiting trail. They're going to want to give you a look at your program. Simple as that. I think Pearson Watson, though, is a, he's, he's a guy that loves BYU. He was a camp standout the past two years. Good athlete, like a Max Tooley type. I, I think that's a nice get. I mean, BYU will always get good linebackers. They just always will. I, I mean, there's, there's not many years that I point to in the last 25 years where BYU has not had very good linebacker play. They always have good backers. I think Pearson Watson kind of represents that. The guy that I just am so bullish on, my dude, Landon Chambers. This is the dude, man. Running back, 5'11", 210 pounds. How this guy isn't rated is beyond me. Go watch the huddle film. Don't look at the star rating because there's none. But go look at the huddle film, and you'll say to yourself, how on earth... Is this guy not a three high three-star, maybe four-star prospect? He's playing in Keller, Texas, Fossil Ridge High School in the Lone Star State. And I always think that's notable. Getting Texas prospects, to me, is always noteworthy. And you get some of the, the, the best players on a team that's playing at the highest level in Texas. That's significant, too, because it's not just show up, sign up, and play football like sometimes you see in other states. Texas, you are training. There's so much competition. There's money invested. I mean, 
at Landon Chambers' high school, they're building an indoor practice facility. There's tons of pressure on these kids, and he's delivering. Ran over 1,700 yards last season. This was a heck of a get for BYU. Uh, Harvey Unga pulling this guy out, Landon Chambers. Again, talk about Big 12 bump. That's Landon Chambers. Maybe the star doesn't match what he really is. He's a guy that next year he could be contending with Jackson McChesney. He could be contending for playing time next year. BYU will probably hit the grad transfer market once again. I I think that's going to be BYU's thing when it comes to running backs because they've had so much success with Tyson, and I think they're going to have a ton of success with Chris Brooks. But Landon Chambers is is going to be really good. I mean, that, that's that's a heck of a get. I mean, you, you talk about maybe the next Jamal Williams, maybe that that could be Landon Chambers. I, I, again, I am I'm I'm floored that that guy's not rated. I'm just I it blows me away that he doesn't have a star rating because again, you watch his film, it's it's outstanding stuff. Miles Hall, wide receiver from Skyline High School, athlete. He could play a lot of different spots. Six two one ninety five. Hall is someone that's got the good measurables, and it's another developmental guy uh, that I think because he's an elite athlete, you love that. I mean, it, it's amazing, too, to me how things have shifted in recruiting over the years. It once upon a time used to be the most productive, the biggest dudes. Now it's more about you're going to get some lean body types, and then you're going to f- project – and forecast them to be offensive tackles. Like you might assign a guy that's 225 pounds and you're signing him as an offensive tackle and you're going to turn him into a four or five star once he leaves BYU. I mean, that's it's kind of the name of the game. It's all about forecasting and projecting. Uh, being in the Big 12 is not going to suddenly just be a windfall of four and five star recruits. In fact, I don't think anyone in this league, the new Big 12, is going to be experiencing that. I do think Cincinnati is one of the big threats in the Big 12 in recruiting. You're seeing glimpses of that this offseason. Luke Fickle is one of the best coaches in college football. He's going to be a problem. (laughs) I'm just saying, Cincinnati, if I was to make predictions as to which program will have the quickest transition to being one of the best teams Early in the Big 12, to me, it's Cincinnati. I think BYU's got the the best history, the best infrastructure of football, pedigree, fan base in the new Big 12 With as far as the new members go. But Cincinnati, to me, with that coaching staff, their commitment, you got the state of Ohio with recruiting, uh, skill position talent galore in that region. I, I just And I think in the trenches, too, they, they, that, that area produces a lot of quality linemen, too. Fickle's going to be a problem. Uh, but I think that BYU's making an uptick. I, I just think that they're they're doing some nice things on the trail, and I just don't think it's getting enough uh, praise uh, for what they're doing. I think it's it, they've seen an uptick uh, with the Big 12 recruiting. I mean, I've been following BYU football recruiting for, gosh, I mean, since I was seven years old. Seven years old. And the quality of the athletes that I'm seeing in these classes – is much better than I've seen probably in, I'd say, at least since 2010. That was in the last year of the Mount West Conference. It's been a long time. Uh, These classes continue to get better and better and better for BYU. 
And again, it's some of it is just forecasting down the road. It's hard to see it right now, but you look at it down the road, you think, okay, that guy's going to be a nice fit for what BYU does in their schemes and in their program going forward. BYU women's basketball had a big get on the recruiting trail. Amari Whiting, head coach Amber Whiting, did not have to go far. Amari Whiting is Coach Whiting's daughter, and she's the number 31 ranked prospect in the country for 2023. This was a must get. I mean, there was no questions asked. If Amber Whiting couldn't get Amari Whiting, uh, it was going to be a problem. Amari Whiting is a superstar, and BYU needed this. After losing Shaley Gonzalez to Texas, they had to get the next big thing. You know, and I think Barcelo's sister, Amanda Barcelo, she could be a pretty good guard. She was injured last season. I'm curious to see what she does this year, but the superstar is waiting in the wings. It's Amari Whiting, and I think it helps the fact that, you know, her coach, her mom, knows everything about her, uh, and I think maybe she's going to get the most out of her. The The fear I do have for Amari Whiting is I've seen parent and child relationships in BYU hoops before you know where I'm going with it. It's like Randy and Robbie Reed with Roger Reed as the coach back in the day in the 90s. That was toxic. That was volatile. I don't know if it's ever going to get to that because still women's basketball doesn't have the same level of interest as the men's basketball team. And I think even men's basketball has less interest now than what they did back in the 90s. I just think it's the nature of college basketball. But I do believe interest will grow from where it's at now because of the Big 12. And there's just going to be a lot of pressure on Amari Whiting. She's big time. I mean, she she's had she had interest from the who's who of college basketball. Stanford wanted her. And Stanford's a national title contender pretty much every other year. Will she be able to handle that pressure and the parent child thing is it's always tough it, it's it's a difficult thing for you know and the reeds were good at byu back in the 90s they were really good but it was just always people complaining about the favoritism and and things like that it's just it's a tricky spot they got to have a lot of thick skin and because there's going to be high expectations i think i mean i think women's basketball it's going to have a long road to hoe in the big 12 conference but i think that it's, it's not unreasonable to think that Maybe once every four years, you can get to the NCA. But I feel like with a with a athlete and a talent like Amari Whiting, you feel like the pressure is going to ramp up a little bit to where you got to get to at least two NCA tournaments as a member of the Big Twelve. So we'll see. But nonetheless, it's a huge get getting her to flip from Oregon, who is a rising power. I mean, they had Sabrina Ionescu. Uh, that is an established program out on the West Coast, and to get her. Uh, is huge for Amber Whiting because losing Shaley Gonzalez was a hit. Uh, I think it's all honestly going to work out in the end for BYU. It, it's going to be okay. Uh, but from a PR standpoint, it just it didn't look good for the new coach to lose out the star athlete. But I think Shaley Gonzalez, from a name, image, and likeness standpoint, she goes to Texas. I'm sure she probably is going to have some great deals. Texas got money galore. And uh, so I think it's going to work out in the end for BYU and for Shaley Gonzalez and everyone involved 
And I think, of course, for Amari Whiting, who now commits to the Cougars. She'll play her final high school season at Tempview High School, and that'll be a big story coming up this winter for uh, girls basketball in high school. Probably, I mean, I was thinking about that when yesterday. Which female athlete from this state in girls basketball in high school, the prep level, is going to have the maybe the recognition, the attention that she will have this year? I don't think anyone, and that, that's good for girls basketball in the state and, and the growth of the sport and, and to get more recognition because I, I think women's basketball is a fun product. I, I think it's going to be a lot of fun to, to cover BYU women's hoops going forward into the Big 12 era. That's going to do it for this edition of the Cougar Tracks podcast. I hope all of you enjoyed it. Make sure to subscribe to the show on Apple, Google Play, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Leave a rating and a review. It helps out the show a ton. I'll be back on Friday for a new episode of the show. Every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, Cougar Tracks is live at high noon, and it's only ramping up now as BYU football returns next week with the start of Camp Kalani. Catch you on Friday here on the Cougar Tracks podcast. It's powered by kslsports.com. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new season three, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold season three, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts.